Hey, welcome to the Loki Podcast. I'm Tim Malloy with Aaron Lanton and Keith Denny, and today we are talking about the new Hulu series, Welcome to Chippendales, starring Camille Nanjiani as real-life Chippendales founder, Steve Shulman uh, Banerjee. Um, I don't know if you guys know how the story ends, but it goes to some wild and unexpected places. That's one thing we'll talk about. But first, um, who is your favorite Chippendales dancer, either on the show or when you actually go to Chippendales? Um, you know, do you have like a top five? I mean, I'm a, I'm a performer, you know, myself. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of my own work. Next, I don't know if if um, I'd be allowed. I probably had to get rid of Otis first. You know, I wouldn't be allowed to be there at the same time. You know, one thing the story is kind of making up is the story of Otis, because I wrote a story about how there was a Black Chippendales dancer early on, and his experience was pretty different from Otis's. There's some overlap, but he definitely was not like the star of the show. Um, oh, say more, please. He wasn't the star, but he was, interestingly enough, getting business tips from Banerjee mm. um, and eventually created his own review. You know what? The best way to hear the story is on the Welcome to Your Fantasy podcast, which covers a lot of the same ground as the Welcome to Chippendale show, even though I don't believe they're technically related in any way. It's <laughs> Welcome to Chippendales definitely listen to Welcome to Your Fantasy. Uh, and Welcome to Your Fantasy is like one of the best podcasts ever. I haven't listened to every episode, but the ones I've listened to are outstanding. It's funny because I've listened to the podcast, too, and it's been so long because, you know, like I, I didn't have like a face. And these aren't obviously their real faces, but I didn't have a faces to the names. So some of it was hard to remember, but it was like the general, you know, details I kind of could still follow. Oh, yeah, I remember this and I remember that and I remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's I don't know. It's really interesting. Do you guys know what ultimately happens with Steve Banerjee and Nick Denoya? It's been, I, a, I, I know they end up having a split. I, I cannot I remember the details. It's been I, way too long. I don't know anything about it. I just kind of come into this Chippendale thing not knowing much about it, to be honest with you. So, all right. So, you're coming in the coldest. What do you think, Keith? I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm still trying to um, assess everything. I think that. I mean, for it to be a show, like like I said, and I intentionally didn't read anything else about it because I don't know exactly how things are going to go down. I can see that there's a lot of, um, what do you call it, like animosity and there's a lot of tension between characters and stuff that's consistent, you know, building up through each episode. But um, I just don't know where it's going. I think, and, and it was weird because I feel like the first two episodes, I was like, man, I'm like really into this show, right? <laughs> but it's something about once like Steve got to that point where it's like, oh, he's just like really, really making money. I don't know why I just wasn't as interested in it at at that point. Yeah. And, and it was just kind of like, okay, so where is this story? Like, where is it, it going? But I'm still interested to see like exactly like how everything's going to end at the, at the end of the day, because I, I also see that it's it's defined as like a crime show, like a crime drama and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I don't really know because because I was sitting there talking to my wife. I was like, so what's the criminal element here? Like, is it because they 
low-key prostituting themselves, but are they really, <laughs> or are they just having sex with these women? Like, or like what what are they doing that's any different than your average strip club? I don't I even want to spoil that part. It's actually <laughs> well, yeah, don't 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 spoil it for me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I, but, that, that, but that was that was the thing I was thinking. Like, how is this any different than any yo? Every day, your average strip club, pretty much. That was what I was thinking. I mean, it is kind of a, I, you know, what he's doing necessarily isn't illegal, but it does feel like a, like by the time you finish everything, it's gonna feel like Breaking Bad. Yeah. Okay, well, that, and that's the vibe that I'm getting, especially when you know when old boy kisses his hand like he's the Godfather or some shit. Man, I swear, you know, the thing that the show. The show, man, like there's there's a lot to say about it, and you know we get to my overall thoughts. Of, you know, we'll mention it, but like I was gonna just compliment what you said real quick, and then I definitely want to let you finish, Keith. Um, this show is really brilliant at individual, well, not about not individual, paired paired character moments, like a one character with another character. They, man, it it really, well, you know, and these things are not exact true to life, but. Man, like the emotional impact of how they draw some things together, it's it's just so solid. I really uh feel like for TV, you know, on, on that particular uh thing, like it it does it at like the top level. Yeah. I um that was I think the biggest foreshadowing that like shit gonna hit the fan to me. It, it wasn't even when when old boy killed his murdered murdered his wife and murdered himself, mm-hmm. but it was when when he go when Steve goes to India mm-hmm. and his mother tells him some people shouldn't be rich. <laughs> that's it's like he didn't even hear. Yeah, but that's gonna mean something later on. That that what they told me as an audience like this is that's a big that was a something that seems simple that can kind of go over your head, but that's gonna mean something. There's I mean, obviously we're spoiling the first four episodes, but there's something in the beginning of the first, the fourth episode that is like, oh, they just gave away the store. Um, but they slide it in so smoothly that it's kind of a censored situation. Um, listeners, we were talking for about an hour <laughs> about a script that Keith wrote before um, we talked about this, before we started talking about this episode. And we've been talking a lot about the sixth sense and kind of the art of slipping in information early that you'll catch on a second rewatch. And there's a thing in Chippendales that people will definitely catch on a second rewatch in the fourth episode and go, wow, well done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think overall, like, like I said, I think it is definitely a solid show. It it it, it grips me at first, especially with those first couple of episodes. Um. I do know I would never have watched this show if you guys had suggested. Hey, I I got I got to admit when when we were, hey, you want to do Chippendale? Like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Interesting story. Kind of forgot I was gonna be looking at what I was gonna be looking at, but it's cool though. It's a good show. What are you talking about, man? Booty. booty oh, show. plenty of that. Plenty of that. I you know when those moments were coming on, I started cleaning a little bit. You know, I I'd look at the montage. <laughs> Kids had to be asleep. <laughs> I've been sitting by my wife eating ice cream, just feeling bad about myself. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's super. <laughs> like, yeah, just, just a heads up that I'm not going to be uh, getting to this level of physical. <laughs> physical. Oh, I think you're saying it's like. I can appreciate the show for what it is. Hell, uh, uh, what's that show? Uh, P Valley, same kind of deal, you know, in a different way. Uh, <laughs> P Valley. 
Oh, see, look at this. Oh, yeah. yeah, see, the white people kind of on it, but not really yet. You'll get there, Tim. It's a good show. <laughs> I like. I, I ain't watched all the season two yet. I know it's good. Man, it's fact, actually, it's a solid show, but I had to start watching it. Let me tell you, say, say more about it in just a second. The only thing I was going to mention is I went to a cabin in um, September with some friends. It's all dudes. We were just kicking it, um, college buddies, and seeing each other a little bit, COVID situation. Literally hadn't seen each other over two years, so we kicking it. And on Sunday morning, after P Valley had come out that the night before, six of them gathered, six of the nine of them gathered together at, at the bottom floor for some P Valley and some drink. And I said, Man, what's going on in there? They said, Man, oh, <laughs> some P Valley. I'm like, is that serious? Y'all think it was like, no, no. Everybody shut up. <laughs> Turn up this P Valley. <laughs> so why'd you start watching it, Keith? The white person equivalent is I went to a cabin with a bunch of people and we watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I thought you were say Yellowstone. <laughs> Yellowstone might be it. <laughs> no, we actually did though. <laughs> so, so what made you stop watching, Keith? Man, it's, a, it's just a personal thing with me. Like, I can't, um, I don't sound weird just even saying it on podcast. I can't really watch stuff that's too like sexually explicit. Oh, it's very sexually explicit. That's what that yeah, show so, about, baby. So, like, I go, I go, I watched a few episodes and I appreciated it for what it was. And then I realized, like, nah, this, this ain't no stuff for me to be watching. But, yeah. like, now Chippendales, like, oh. so, so, but you got through Chippendales okay. Chippendales well, ain't that explicit, really. Well, Chippendales is different because there's nothing on there that I, that I like. Okay. Yeah. But then you see P Valley, it's like, there's some bad women on there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that just is what it is and then but but what i really like about it it just got that it got that memphis vibe to it you know? i really do or oh, it takes in mississippi but you know the um the writer is actually from memphis oh well, like, i didn't even realize okay see I yeah yeah she's, she's from memphis so so like how they talk how they act like it just remind me a lot of back home and if you just took a lot of the more like sexual explicit stuff out of it i would like man i would freaking love that show but it, and then also I do also have a thing where just personally, like with um a lot of shows that that we like, like black people like, mm. I don't watch them when they first come out. Usually, I kind of watch mm. them when the hype goes down, and mm. then I go back. Like the same thing with Power and Raising Cain, like all of those shows, I kind of watch them later on. But anyway. That's funny though. And you know, one thing we have been joking about, uh, some of y'all listened to some of the more re- recent episodes a couple of times, uh, well, on and off air, we've been talking about um, how in scripts, you typically don't see like male fellatio happening much anymore. And man, this show, they just be going for it. <laughs> it just... yeah, 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 sometimes, yeah. I, I, like I said, I've seen a good deal of like the first season, but um. It's just like Euphoria. That's part of why I don't really watch Euphoria. Like, oh no, I was just, I was just talking about how, how it's, I think in in Chippendales, welcome to Chippendales. It, it's they do it in such a way where it, it's it's uh you don't necessarily have to feel weirded out by it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, not, I think, we're not like complaining about it. Like, god damn it! Yeah, <laughs> like they yeah, like like Felicia all the time. Every time Nick's in the bathroom, I mean, I feel like I could watch without feeling like, oh, okay, you know, freaking out here. I mean, I'm, I'm, it does feel like an interesting thing about our culture that now, almost every time you see a sex scene, it's a male on female oral sex scene, like to, mm-hmm. in, in keeping with the vibe of like, let's not exploit actresses. Um, 
They're that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that specifically. Yeah, that's, that's I, interesting. I think they're trying to make clear that like this is like a balanced relationship more than like, um, you know, these are women subservient to men or something. I think well, I think that's more the the vibe that they're going for is more of an equanimity, which it actually happens in a Don't Worry Darling. But then, mm, okay, when you see like in Don't Worry Darling, Harry Styles comes through the door and like can't wait to perform Cunnilingus on his wife. Um, he's like a 1950s like guy doing a mysterious job and she's a housewife and this is their sex life but it actually kind of fucks up the whole movie because spoiler on Don't Worry Darling it turns out that he's like basically this like incel men's rights type guy who like pulls her into this fantasy world um, of like men dominating women so it doesn't super make sense that they have this positive egalitarian sex life to me, um, you would think that if you were it's like, him, most people. <laughs> it's not just you. I, I think, I think, a total rat bastard. You'd think he'd be a total rat bastard. Um, it's funny, um, just this conversation of oral sex, because I was just—I <laughs> don't know if I was just thinking about. It, I had this conversation with somebody in the past about how I think that it's very weird how people think of like the way that people think view oral sex in a sense, right? Like so, like. If a woman is giving a man head, that's a submissive thing, right. in a sense, or like a subservient thing, and not like her just doing it because she gets pleasure out of it. In the same way as a man doing it because he actually enjoys it or he gets pleasure out out of it. Like, cause I, I I never I never looked at it that way. Like, I never looked at a woman weird that gave me head or that liked doing it. And I know some guys that's like. If they were, if a woman's too good at it, they thrown off. They're like, well, "How did you learn this?" <laughs> like, it I just think it's thing. There shouldn't be a stigma either way, but they're totally. I can remember, like, as a fan of like early '90s hip hop, like one of the rules was like, and I think like mafiosos have this rule too. Like, men do not perform oral sex on women ever. Like that's like, somebody. Man, I ain't been old enough to know, but I that feel like so that was something people were talking about. And I'm I'm not going to get into the, the, the people who said this, uh, but they were saying it. R. Kelly made it cool for men to perform oral sex on women. And I was like, that's a weird thing to say, but probably true. <laughs> I was a fan of DJ Quick's music and Second to None and like the whole DJ Quick family and extended family. And it was like a very clear rule. <laughs> that's songs like this is a thing that does not happen yeah i mean the 90s were very um it's misogynist weird. in all the ways <laughs> like it really was so it is interesting but so i guess that's what's so interesting about this show too like even <laughs> as our sensibilities well so even as our sensibilities have changed or like chippendale's kind of the show uh kind of really does explicitly mention it like part of what they're selling is not just a show, not just a fantasy, but an opportunity for women to take control um, because there's not a space for them to express the sexuality or, you know, just kind of wild out. Like all the, all the places like that are for men. And, you know, it kind of continues that way today. It's, it's almost, I don't, again, I don't know enough about the adult entertainment industry. But it is interesting that, like, typically speaking, you know, if you talk about a strip club, like, it's for men. It's very rarely for women to this day. Right. And I guess even when you think of, like, pornography, it's mostly made for the male gays for the most part. Yeah. 
And let's not even get in your favorite. Um, so um, can can we can we anime? So I was gonna say, can we talk about Steve for a minute? Because you know the thing about it. Well, uh, or maybe we should call him Solman uh, Benergy. Um, uh, the reason he, when he changed his name legally to Steve, he kept Showman as part of his name because he liked that it was pronounced Showman. It is funny. I, I forgot to, to put the put the like Showman in there. Show, yeah. So the thing about this dude, though, and I feel like this was maybe true in the podcast before maybe maybe it wasn't but like there was a whole thing about his um struggling with his identity whether he would just try to be like this person who was uh kind of immersed in in uh what's the word they use for me trying to be american and kind of hide your original ethnicity um it's not adapt it's some other word um, um assimilate Similar, yeah. So assimilate to the American culture. Um, obviously tried to get his mom to come to California. She wasn't with it. And I think she talked about the Keith mentioned at the start of fourth episode. But I, I guess, you know, the thing for him is um, you know, he keeps telling when race does comes up, you know, he said, Oh, it's just business that this had like he constantly says, Oh, this old. And again, this didn't happen in real life, but like in the structure of how the narrative is being told. Um you know, he tells Otis, you know, I can't give you any, any uh, leeway on this because at the end of the day, we know that, you know, people are less, it, there'll be an uproar if you're on the calendar and the hus- the white husband comes in and sees a black man on the calendar, like he's going to go berserk as if a white man in a thong would just be just simply okay. Um, that 100% happened in real life. That's Absolutely true. That's why he kept the black Chippendale off the dance off the calendar was because he was like, you can come in and see this guy for one night. But if you have this up in your calendar in Mobile, Alabama um, for a month, people are going to freak out. I mean, that's a real dynamic that happens between uh, people of these backgrounds for real. And I was kind of surprised that they chose to depict that kind of stuff in the show. I think it does make it stronger in many ways because it helps you understand uh the things that he's unwilling to express to anybody like as an audience we get to kind of see his ups his downs in a way that he's not willing to express with his wife um irene is her name right yes um you know she tries i thought man the actress who's playing irene um she i've seen a couple things before but like she is fantastic in this role and in the moments where, like, I really can't stand, uh, you know, uh, Camille Nagiani's depiction, not not because I can't say it because he's not, a, he, he's amazing in this role, but just like when it's like he's a protagonist, I'm really sick of this guy. But then I see her and I'm like, I kind of do still want them to do be okay. Like, it's funny that you have gotten to that point with him because they've made him so much nicer and like cuddlier than he is. <laughs> In the in the podcast and in everything. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree too. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. No, it's interesting. I mean, because I was my only complaint about the show is I feel like they've made Steve too nice, and I guess they can do that Mm -hmm. because they know where things are going. They're like, don't worry, no one's going to end up. Yeah, what they did in the fourth episode was like, here's the kingpin about to become the kingpin. Now he's going to turn to to who he is in real life. That's what it feels like. (laughs) Gradually getting to that to that version of what y'all talking about. Yeah. Cause that character Ray, um, who's from the PR. Um, yeah. Like 
man it's it's always interesting when as a as a um a screenwriter you get to write the character who gives some soliloquy who is kind of like telling the future of your story and they make it sound like look out for the enemies but they're the enemy Mm -hmm. it's funny because ray is the main source in the book i believe it's called deadly dance um which is the main source the main inspiration for this Mm, okay i didn't know that i was i've been reading deadly dance which is pretty good um but there's a lot of stuff where it's like oh this guy ray seems pretty cool and then you realize at the end of the book that ray is like the main guy they talk to (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean he plays that role so well if you've been in new york you know one of these guys yeah. You really do. <laughs> like it's <laughs> man, it's it's like unmistakable, man. I also really think um, you know, the guy playing Nick Denoya, um is crushing it. Um uh, Murray Bartlett. Yeah, man, he he's you know, it's I see him watch White Lotus, but right. man, he he crushes this role, man. Like mm-hmm. I just really love it. Like I'm just with it every time he's on screen. He's a fucking beast of an actor, and I don't think I'd ever seen him before, like two years ago. And man, he's so—I've so seen good. him in some stuff before, but just wow, yeah. sensational here. He's so good in White Lotus. He's so good in this, and he's also totally different. Like I don't even know what ethnicity or voice he really is. <laughs> he has this very specific accent in White Lotus, <sighs> and he has this like good like New Yorker guy accent in this one. Um, yeah. If you gave me a thousand dollars, I don't think I could figure out what country this guy's from. I'm guessing Australia, because like Murray Bartlett sounds kind of Australian to me, but mm-hmm. I really don't know. No, excellent actor, man. Whatever he which, is. Hold I mean, on, which actor y'all talking about? Uh, the guy, the guy playing Nick Denoya, the choreographer. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's awesome. I haven't seen him in anything else, but he's pretty awesome. And it's funny because I feel like, uh, man, like uh, Juliette Lewis, she's playing the character she always plays. Like all the time uh, but she's so great at it that it's like you know i'm with it you know it's cool i'm not bothered by that at all um you know i think that you know if i'm trying to think of like weaknesses of the show um i mean the only issue i, mean, I have the first episode i feel like they condensed the story of um yeah yeah the story of steve with the story of the star 80 guy whose name I have mentally blocked and can never remember. Yeah, um, it, it, it was faster than it had to be. I agree. Well, it's because they made it, they really centered him like he was like one of the main characters in the show. Mm-hmm, they did. Which one? Really, Paul Snyder? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Paul. then it just kind of just doesn't come up again. It, it feels like, like it happens. Oh, man, what an impact at the end. They never come up again. Yeah, I mean, for obvious reasons, but... I don't think they were actually that central to the Chippendale story. I think they were like a good, interesting way in. And it's also an interesting challenge for them story-wise because people who've seen Star 80 or who've seen any of the other like documentaries about Dorothy Stratton, film Star 80 is not a documentary, but who've seen the feature film Star 80 or the TV adaptation where Jamie Lee Curtis played Dorothy Stratton, um, those come in like 82 and 84. And then she's been mentioned in some docs since then. Um, there's a really good podcast. You must remember this about her relationship with Peter Bogdanovich. Um, mm. 
people who know that story know exactly where this is going. And then there's other people who are watching the Chippendale story. I'm like, oh, she seems nice. I like her. And it's like, what the fuck? I'm not gonna lie. I forget. I remembered it happened to somebody. I forgot it was her. And I was like, oh shit, that was early. Yeah. See, see, I knew nothing. Yeah. If you watch, it, it's a strange. It, it's like a strange story merge that they're in it. Mm-hmm. They are. And I don't love it, honestly. Like I feel like you have to mention them somehow, but using them as almost like an event to humanize Steve, I didn't love. Um, I, I The only reason I feel conflicted about it is because it just never comes up again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I, that that pilot episode was pretty solid. It's you know, so watchable. Yeah, it's it's really it's really engaging, um, and it it just makes some choices that are very of the time, but they feel like they make sense. Like the million dollar man reference, like that's really cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, like it's it it really it, it if you are of that era. Um, man, like this must be just like a nostalgia bomb, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can appreciate it, but that's not my time. I'm sure, like, you know, for other people, it's like, damn, like this shit is really hidden. Um, man, <laughs> the only thing that made me think about is uh, Vice City, GTA Vice City. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I'm like, man, this look like the little club you kick it at on the guy, <laughs> but um, or, hey, or Miami Vice or something. Hey, man, I gotta say, dog, no matter how we look at it. The 80s were fucking wild. Holy shit. Like people were just going to the club and just screwing. <laughs> like so kind. No pre- folks were like pre-AIDS, no internet. Dude, what a time. Like there's like all these things coming out recently, like people like doing these interviews talking about how they saw these people free in at Studio 54 and all these other, you know, different clubs. <laughs> Um, also, like seventies and eighties, when nobody thought cocaine was bad for you. <laughs> yeah, it was. Like, he's just you're just doing a bump, no big deal. Actually, my favorite line in the whole fucking show is, "You gave my wife cocaine." It's the way he <laughs> delivers. <laughs> it's the funniest shit. And it, but honestly, like, I guess I think it is still fair, even though, like I said, you know, you mentioned the show's kind of humanizing the ways maybe don't seem realistic to the actual person but i i do think that getting to his identity and like finding these ways to show and i'm sure these things didn't happen exactly this way but he you know he goes to his dad's funeral he goes out the the while he's having cocaine and you know whatever like they find ways to, to tie some of these things that maybe they haven't exactly that way but you know um that i do think speak well of his character because when he comes back and he has that that rage you you understand you know yeah, I think the Walter White Breaking Bad analogy is really good, actually, mm-hmm. because he's going to go to some dark places. Because you're going to root for him at first. Yeah, to yeah. get you. They did some really clever screenwriting things and they're shortcuts, but, you know, they work to get you on his side. I love, even though it's it's absolutely horrible, but it, this show from from like a minority's perspective has so many elements that are just fascinating. Yeah. Um, one of them being, I mean, I'm watching that scene where like he's trying to take his wife to the restaurant in episode four and he's like, 
oh, so, you know, we're trying to make up stuff so I can't be in here, basically. But then I was like, well, I mean, there are clubs where, like, you can't go in without a membership. Like, I mean, I guess I kind of could feel bad for you, but I'm not sure. And then, like, right as that's happening, like, five minutes later, like, the dudes are like, how do you get the membership card? How do you do it? And it's like he's using the tactics of, of the oppressor <laughs> to, like, make more money. He, like if he thought that was a thing that it's just so fucking funny because there are people who do that i just cannot recommend the welcome to your fantasy podcast enough because the facts of that case are so insane like they definitely use the fake membership card to keep black people out of chippendales mm. and it escalates and escalates and it's so ridiculous and the other point that i, I talked to steve Banerjee's um lawyer like i interviewed him and one of the points he made is that he's not racist. He did all of this for what he perceived as like business reasons, just like cold, methodical. It, in practice, it's obviously racist, but in his mind, it's just like, oh, we're just doing this like because it's good for the the you know the brand. Well, the show. That's actually Man. interesting. There are there are people who feel Amazing. that way. Or and, it's and a- it- Worse in a way. We don't have a bunch of time to get into that because there's more stuff to talk about in the show, but like that's the thing that happens all the time to this day. But yeah. but I was thinking, the thing that's so interesting about that is because even just now, like we're like being racist or saying anything somewhat racist is like you will be like crucified for it, you know. Yeah, I like, mean it's lucrative too. No, 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 what I'm saying. I'm like, for example, like there's a lot of people that act like they woke that just came out of nowhere. Like sure. out of nowhere, there's a bunch of woke ass people just came out. Yeah, they're making money, yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of like as society and culture changes, people's business practices start to change too. Yeah. That's what I get from that. Like if it was if if you did a certain business practice because because this is what would be better for your business, although this thing might be racist, I think it's more to say about the society that we live in than the actual. But see, but no, but see, that's Steve's perspective. Steve has think the way the script writes it. Again, I'm just gonna have the script writes it. Steve has things happen to him, therefore Steve does it to people who he can do it to. That's true, but the point is, is that if. Like, for example, if that didn't exist in the first place, then he wouldn't have nothing to pull from. No, but look, a real businessman who really believed in business would test it before assuming that. He tested like, it. Worked, he didn't. No, no, no. no. I'm <laughs> saying like he, he would put Otis in the calendar. He would like you would take change like on your best, most talented dancer, the one everybody coming to see. Yeah, you would take chances with that, even if you thought it was weird. Um. Man. I would have took chances on it, but if he I'm, he, he didn't add basing, another dancer, he wouldn't. And also, like, if you basing your like, I guess your your the prototype of business from white men, especially those like Hugh Hefner, then that's what that's what's gonna come from it. You know what I mean? Like that's his his whole idea and business practices and stuff come from what he has learned from white men. But the show oh, that's true are racist in some type of way, or they deal or they deal do certain things that might be questionable. And they and they're actually profitable and they're actually like considered to be successful businessmen. I think the logic behind it is that why not mirror what they're doing? 
Yeah, and I mean, the only thing I, I was going to add to that is like he, the way the show writes it, he does things to other people after it's done on to him. Like he he sees those things as opportunities. You take it like, and that's the thing. Like it almost makes it seem sometimes like his the the, the issue with people, not the writing, but I'm saying the issue with people like that is they like when when they feel like they think they feel like they're part of this elite class because and again they write it this way that's why i find it so fascinating he comes up he's like we're part we're, we're these special people when you start acting like it then he get there and they're not treating them special so now he got to start playing the race card mm-hmm. like he plays it when he feels like he's not getting treated special but oh, then like Kanye West. yeah <laughs> i wasn't gonna go there but yes but- but but yeah, I, we, I'm we sorry. gotta go deeper into him. But yes, like same kind of deal. Yeah. So so I mean, but people who are like that do that kind of shit all the time. But yeah. the, the way the show sets it up is just simply, he thinks he's special, and then when he's not treated special, now it's time to pull out this race card. Even though, if you know, based on what he saw as a like a policy business practice thing, he started doing the same thing. Oh, I can just make money off the fact. You could do that. But does he really believe they don't let him in? Because in the show keeps showing the tables like, oh, maybe they really were keeping him out because of his ethnicity. But then he does it himself. So it, it it's purposefully muddying the water. And I think that's a choice. And I think it's a bold choice. And not one a lot of shows are willing to do. And, and on that, I commend it for that. I think that's interesting. Because you're you're showing that your character has a contradiction, one in which they can like acknowledge, yes, but they kind of don't give a fuck. They just gonna make this money and just let it be that. Like the thing is, they can't change what they can't change about their world. They will never truly be a king. They will never truly be in control. But they can pretend like they are in this little world they've created. See what I mean? Right. Kingdom of male flesh. Yes, and and you know. Dick and balls, and you know, all that stuff. it's <laughs> all over the place. Dick and balls. Those those shows were really cool that they were making. At least how they showing them in the show. Like I was like, damn. Like I mean, I'm not trying to go to a male strip club, but that is kind of cold. <laughs> like the way the chore- choreography. Like I can tell you, uh, you know, strip clubs typically don't have all that going on. I mean, yeah, like you might have like a dancer with a routine. But you're gonna have a, like a whole crew, you know, yeah, doing it's not, stuff. It's not a whole um, ain't gonna be no props, yeah, ain't gonna be no costumes. Low <laughs> like key, it, it make it more enjoyable if you ever went to a strip club and it's an actual show. I don't if I'm going to a strip <laughs> club, I don't need I don't need theater. I kind of want a theater, man, because I used to be bored in there. I don't know why I'm that guy that the stripper sit down and talk to until they like to. <laughs> hey, I'm sometimes you know you're there for a conversation, whatever. I guess. <laughs> that's gonna be so funny i'll try to think what there's so much to talk about with this show i think it's a really good show overall um it's got right, some issues sure. yeah but nah, it's if if you have an interest like it's worth watching 100 like i i really think there's so much about it that's really top notch there's so many things we haven't touched um and there's a lot of show to go i think there's gonna be eight episodes of this there's, there's four out right now um and you can check them out, you know, whenever you feel like. But it's it's worth watching. Like late Monday, early Tuesday, something like that. I think. 
Yeah, it's Monday or Tuesday. I think it's Monday. Yeah, like it's like new episodes. At one point, I checked what time it was on. It was like new episode arrives at midnight on Tuesday. And I was like, is that Monday night or Tuesday night? I'm not going to stay up to watch the Chippendale show. That's that's a little excessive, but uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's solid though, man. Like props to uh, Camille Nagiani trying a different kind of role. Um, You know, I, I hope to see more of stuff he can do this was really cool though to try this project and, and look more than anything um you know I, I really appreciate that the show doesn't shy away from things that like specifically like about indian culture and this and that like it seems so basic but like allowing us to really see these people how they live like is really cool and important and also by doing that also showing how through character and does in costume design that he is every time he goes somewhere he got on like this this western tape well um, it's not really a tailor suit but that tan suit which everybody hates tan suits but it seems like he don't get the memo um but he's going on this tan suit everywhere even in india you know like at the local market he's wearing it everybody else in, in some different clothes and he's like looking all sad and he comes there still with his wife who's not indian either which it's cool, you know, but it's like he's he's just saying he's getting further and further away from his people and also like trying to purposely distance himself in the way he looks as well, the way he chooses to dress and stuff like that. No matter where he is, whether he's in America still or back at the house, he still be like, I'm different from y'all. And just basic stuff with like like I've learned to appreciate costume more and more over time, but like that's this thing too that just it keeps coming up symbolically and tells you a lot about like who he's become uh since we first met him. Although at no point is he like dressed in Indian garb, he always is trying to look American. I wish when we'd started the podcast, we thought to call it the Tan Suit Podcast. I should have. God damn it. I missed opportunity. It. Wow. I mean, you could always edit it in. I mean, it's not like this is live. We can go back. No, I mean the entire Loki podcast. I wish we called it the Tansu podcast. Oh, oh, the, the whole Tansu thing. is so loaded. That, that was the whole meme with Obama's Tansu, where the big thing he did wrong, you would like post whatever bad thing Trump did, and then you'd post the thing that Obama did that was bad, and it was just the Tansu over and over again. Well, mm-hmm. there's more things, but they're not things I'm going to say over recorded air. Hey, <laughs> but since you made it this far we appreciate y'all thank you for making it this far uh we are trying to do this most weeks of the month we we get through normally about three um and christmas is coming so there's a backlog listen to it then share with friends on your favorite episodes um and get them to like and subscribe as well uh keith where can people find us on the socials on instagram at the low-key pod false all right, Tim, uh, anything to plug for Movie Maker? No, if you visit moviemaker.com, you can, I got, I said no, and then I started plugging. Uh, if you visit <laughs> moviemaker.com, you can read a couple stories about fact-checking uh, the Chippendale show that I very much enjoyed writing because I'm enjoying the show. Boom. All right, I'm going to catch up on that once we close. Sounds awesome. All right, so we don't know what we're doing next. There's plenty of good stuff out. We'll find some interesting for you all and then go over it again, so... We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.